0: Um, Today, we start a brand new series. It's week one of a series that I've entitled Covenant and Kingdom. And I want to start off right now by acknowledging Mike Breen and his 3DM team of 3DM Ministries for the materials that they produced on this subject. Um, Phenomenal. And so uh, much of what you'll hear me speak about and on over the next few weeks comes directly out of their study and their material. So I want to acknowledge that right up front. I think you will enjoy this series. So what I want to do today, um, because today's a family service, this is going to be an abbreviated message, and I'm wanting, I'm wanting, to, giving you, I'm wanting to give you a 30,000-foot view of the what's in store for us in the weeks ahead. And when I say 30,000-foot view, I mean I'm going to hit on quite a few things And you'll probably want me to dive deeper today, but I'm not going to, because we're going to jump into those things at a much deeper level in the weeks ahead, okay? So why did I decide to do this series? Well, for two reasons. First, I think that this series, Covenant and Kingdom, is a great follow-on series to the one that we just finished, the Bar Napkin Gospel Series, and I think you'll see that as we move forward in this series. And second, as a church, we haven't spent much time in the Old Testament. And so what I want to do is I want to I take time to visit the Old Testament and take a look at, at some of the Old Testament characters and, and examine the work that God has done in their lives, that work that is still relevant for our lives today. And so uh, I, I'm excited for the opportunity to do that uh, in the weeks ahead. Now the concepts of covenant and kingdom. I want you to know these concepts are intricately woven in the fabric of the Bible from cover to cover. These two concepts have been, what I believe, joined together by God to form a complete picture of the relationship between God and man. For the life of every follower, our lives are lived between these two relational realities covenant and kingdom first covenant relationship our relationship with god an invitation a high invitation to relationship with god that includes his ongoing presence and the promise of his presence always with us as we press into our relationship with him and the next Kingdom representation, which is high challenge. And what I mean by that is is that's where we're going to find our completion as we push into God's purpose for our lives and God's purpose for his children in this earth. So these two concepts, covenant and kingdom, when, when you knit them together, they form a central theme. And here's the theme. It's all about God's great name and his name being made great in the earth. Covenant and kingdom is all about the name, the great name of God in this earth. So I want to begin by giving you a couple of working definitions that I think will serve us well over the next couple of weeks as we pack this thing, as we unpack uh, this, this message series. The first definition is the definition of covenant covenant is a formal agreement between two parties. And these two parties, both of which, they, they assume um, some obligation to fulfill the responsibility of the covenant or to carry it out. Now, in the Bible, there are many different forms of covenant, but there are two primary types of covenant. The first type is bilateral covenant and then the second form or second type of covenant is unilateral covenant covenant in most cases in the bible what we experience what we see it's is bilateral covenant and that's where both parties share an equal obligation and responsibility to fulfill the covenant this is the type of covenant again as i said that we see most often in the bible especially in the old testament in the old testament covenant was really initiated by ritual and this ritual involved two people coming together both of them would take an animal a cow a sheep a goat or whatever and they would split that animal in half all right and then what they would do is they would set the animal the both sides of the animal um on the side of a path that would form a corridor And then these two individuals, and this is what was called cutting covenant. These two individuals would walk through that corridor between those two halves of animals, symbolizing a blood covenant that was punishable by death if it was broken. You guys get that? Covenant is a serious thing. Serious. Serious. Covenant is still serious today. I think the most common form of bilateral covenant that we see today is is in marriage. Marriage is a covenant between a man and a woman. And it's made in the presence of God before many witnesses. And and the promise of this covenant is supposed to be broken only by death. It's a serious thing. And listen, that's why Satan hates marriage. Marriage. Satan hates God and he hates marriage. Why? Because he understands the significance of the covenant, the significance of the covenant relationship. It's serious. So listen to me for a second. You, you people that are married, all of you, me too. Is it any wonder that the enemy is attacking your relationships? Is it any wonder that at every turn it seems like there's obstacles in the way of of you experiencing deep, intimate relationship with each other? The enemy is coming after our marriages because he understands the power and agreement of covenant. That's bilateral covenant. The second form of covenant is unilateral covenant. And unilateral covenant is completely different because this is a covenant that's cut between two parties where one party has all the power and all the authority. And that party that has the power is the one that ensures that the covenant is kept. Now, there are a couple of different instances in the Old Testament of unilateral covenant between God and man. This is where God makes a promise to man. And regardless of what man does or does not do, that promise is going to be kept and it's going to be fulfilled. Why? Because our God is big enough, bold enough, bad enough to fulfill any, com- any promise that he makes. We have a promise-making, promise-keeping, covenant-making, covenant-keeping God who is all-powerful and able to keep the covenant that he establishes with us. Hmm. Now, here's an illustration of, 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 of covenant between God and man. In the, in, in the Old Testament, there's a man named Abraham. We're going we're to look at the life of Abraham next week. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13, Paul writes this, or the, the writer of Hebrews writes this, talking about the covenant that God made with Abraham. He said, when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. Now, here's the thing. Remember, I told you unilateral covenant is made by the person or the one that owns the power, right, and holds the power. God said, listen, I'm going to make covenant with you, Abraham. But since, I, since there's no one greater or more powerful than me, I, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just swear by myself. I, I'll, I'll make an agreement with myself to fulfill this covenant. And as I said earlier, I am bad enough. I am mean enough. I am am powerful enough to carry out this covenant. He swore by himself. So the promise was sure. It was going to happen. It was going to happen. Why? Because the promises of God, the covenant of God is absolutely sure. Covenant is the nature of God. Again, we have a, a God that that makes promises for us and to us and in and, and, and covenant and, and that's part of his nature. He wants to fulfill what he's promised us. And in the nature of God and his covenant, there are three essential things that we need to realize. Three essential elements of covenant. Our covenant with our God. First of all, he's our father. We're in covenant with with the the God of all creation. We're in covenant with with the giver of all good things. We're in covenant with our, he is our father. Everybody say our father. The God of all creation, the one who is all powerful is in covenant agreement and relationship with us. James tells us that God is a giver of good gifts and that every good gift and perfect gift comes down from God, the Father of lights. And there is no variance, no shadow of turning, which means this if He said it, He'll do it. He's our Father, and He's a good Father. He's a giver of all good gifts. The second thing that's essential about covenant relationship is our identity. Again, we are his children. And because we are his children, we can be confident and secure in our relationship with him. And assurance of relationship flows out of relationship with him. The deeper we press into relationship, the more assurance and confidence we have in the relationship we have with our father. And the closer we get to him, the more of the benefits of enjoying God fully that we get to to experience as being children of the God of all creation. So that's the second. The third element that's essential to covenant is our action. We are living, breathing representatives of God. And we are supposed to live consistently. We're supposed to live a life that's consistent with being representatives of the kingdom of God. Why? Why? Because we're representing him. We're we're, we're representing him by the things that we do. We're his children. For every child, and let me ask you this, have you ever had the talk by your parents? The talk is where your parents say to you, listen, we're getting ready to go over to so-and-so's house. Or we're getting ready to go to the store. Or we're getting ready to go out on a date or to dinner. And you better act the way I've trained you to act. Because you and your actions represent me. You guys ever had that talk? Some of y'all haven't had that talk. I guess that's going to be one of the classes we start in the fall. Parenting 101, God's way. Listen, that's the talk. Why? Why? Because parents understand that what that child does is a reflection of them. Is that right? No different than our relationship with God. As his children, our actions represent him. Okay? So that's those are the three elements of covenant. And we'll press into those a little further in the weeks ahead. Now let's talk about kingdom. Here's the definition of kingdom it's the realm under the king's sphere of influence or rule. The kingdom of God really speaks to the nature of his church and the purpose of his people. And there are three central elements of kingdom as well. The first is this the kingship of our God. He is king, he is sovereign ruler over the heavens and the earth. And he seeks to expand his rule in the earth through the lives of his people. His kingdom, his kingship. The second is his authority. He has all authority. All authority. Everyone say all. Listen, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he turned to his disciples and he said, listen, all authority has been given to me both in heaven and in earth. Our God has authority. All authority. And he chooses to express his authority through us, his chosen people. The third essential element of kingdom is is his power. We serve an all-powerful God. And here's what he does. He chooses to fill us with his power, to empower us to, to be his hands and feet. And then he gives us the authority as citizens of his kingdom To carry out his work. And this is what it looks like in the kingdom of God. The Bible says we are ambassadors. We are representatives. We're in a a land that really is not ours. We're pilgrims passing through. And what God does is he, he takes us as ambassadors and he sends us out on mission. To make disciples and tell every corner of the earth is under the rule of our father and our king. So he's all powerful and he has all authority, but that forces a question. If God is really king and he has everything, he has all power and all authority, then why is this world in such a mess? If if God is really ruling, why is this world in such a mess? Here's why. Because our sovereign God from the very beginning chose to give man free will and the freedom of choice. That's why. He wouldn't be be an all-knowing, all-powerful God if he didn't give man the freedom of choice. He would simply be a puppet master. But God did. He gave man the freedom of choice. And we were, when, we, when, when we were created by God, he created us with his nature. And then when man by, sin, by choice sinned at the fall in, in the garden, our nature changed from a God nature to a sin nature. And then the world became, the world came under the rule of Satan. And I'm going to tell you something. Satan hates God. He hates everything that God stands for. And and we as children of God, let me tell you something. Don't miss this. He hates us. He's our enemy. And he hates everything that displays the glory of God. And we are the carriers of the glory of God. So now how did this happen? When man sinned in the garden, he gave the keys to the kingdom. He gave dominion to this earth realm to rule the rule that God told us we had and gave to us in the garden. He gave it over to Satan, who is now called the God of this world. So what does that look like? Turn with me to Luke, the fourth chapter. Let me show you. Remember, this is just an overview of what we're going to dive into at a much deeper level in the weeks ahead. Luke chapter 4. Are you there? How many of you brought your Bibles with you today? (laughs) Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory. Look at that next phrase, that next sentence there. For it has been delivered to me. When man sinned in the garden, man handed over the dominion of the earth to Satan, who became the ruler of the earth. Jesus called him that. And then he says this, I'll give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus answered him and said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So so now we have the prince of the power of the air who has dominion over this earth that is the kingdom of God right? But now God has a plan. He has a plan to recover everything, to take back the ground that was lost through our severed relationship in the garden. And then once and for all, the Bible says, crush and destroy our enemy. God has a plan for that. And Jose, you can bring your team up. And here's his plan. I said it last week and I'll say it again. God's plan is to advance his kingdom in all the earth by filling it up with his children. By filling it up with disciples of Jesus Christ who become citizens of the kingdom of God. And so for those of us who have embraced the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we began to experience this new life that we find in him as followers of Jesus Christ, I want to point this out to you. This is serious, man. It's the key to this series. Every time there is a re- reconciled relationship to God, the kingdom of God is expanded. Every time we give our lives away and make disciples, the kingdom of God is expanded. Every relationship that is restored and reconciled to God, the kingdom of God is expanded. Through Jesus Christ, what, what was undone in the garden has been redone again through Christ, the second Adam. And God makes the provision to rescue man from the predicament that man got himself into through the act of his own will. God uses Jesus, God the Son, God incarnate to bridge that gap and bring reconciliation and bring us a brand new covenant that is purchased by his blood. So between the fall of man and the coming of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross, there were great men and great women who who God used, who lived remarkable lives that are critical to reestablishing covenant and recapturing the kingdom of God here on this earth. Lives that paved the way and set the stage for Jesus to come and redeem us. And reconcile relationship. And so over the, le- the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the Old Testament. We're going to take a look at covenant, and we're going to match it up with kingdom. and we're going to experience the glory of God revealed through those two concepts woven into one. I'm excited about the journey. Next week, we're going to start taking a look by taking a look at the life of Abraham. The father of our faith, the Bible calls him. And I think if you look at the life, or when you look at the life of Abraham, it might cause you to question why God called him that. We get to dive in that next week. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for, for setting the table for us for the weeks ahead. Thank you for, thank you for the cross, Lord Jesus. Where because of your shed blood, we have a new covenant that we operate under as citizens, as children. We get the benefit of enjoying your presence and fulfilling your purpose. And so, Father, I pray that your will will be done in our lives on earth as it is in heaven, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.